But I do think that for a lot of people, you know, being able to see someone's like, wait, oh my God, that 19 year old can make this and I could make this. Like, that, I, I could do it. He's just 19. Um, and I think, you know, while I'm still young, I really try to hone on that and, you know, show like, I'm just like you. That relatability is what I really try to do in all facets of what I do. You're listening to The Taste Podcast. I'm Editor-in-Chief Matt Rodbard, here with Senior Editor Anna Hiesel. Today on the show, Matt has a fun conversation with Eitan Bernath, the food TikTok star and author of the new cookbook, Eitan Eats the World. Matt, what did you and Eitan talk about? Anna, we've been talking about TikTok a lot of taste. We've published articles about TikTok. We had this great story about foraging on TikTok. But really, we haven't had a chance to interview a bona fide TikTok star. And that changes today with this conversation I had with Eitan Bernath. I love this conversation. You know, Anna, I wanted to find out what it took to succeed and to excel and to blow up and break the TikTok platform. And I hear Eitan is pretty qualified to speak on that. Two million followers. He's got a staff of like eight. We talk about this. And really, I wanted to find out what makes a great TikTok video and also a little bit about his history, you know, his story growing up in Teaneck, New Jersey, and how his first cookbook, Eitan Eats the World, is this expression of his love for food, including a deep interest in Indian cooking. I, I loved that part of the conversation. And it's a really cool dude. Here's Matt speaking with Eitan. Eitan Bernath, welcome to the Taste Podcast. Thank you for having me. Uh, super excited to be here at Penguin Random House, my yeah. first time. Right, first time in the building. You know, you are a published author, but now because of COVID, you never got to meet Jen Sit, your editor, at least in the building. What's it like being here? Yeah, no, it is definitely crazy being here. It kind of hit me when I walked in. I was like, oh my God, there's all these parts of like the publishing process that I guess I didn't have, you know, like going to your to your publishing house, yeah. physical location, meeting your editor. You know, it's all been over Zoom and like Google Meet and everything. So it's really cool to like be here in the flesh. Awesome, man. I'm, I'm, I'm happy that you're here. And I wanted to talk a lot about your book, um, Eitan Eats the World, but also about your your life on TikTok. Um, you're 19 or 20. 20 or 19. Let's get that right. I'm currently 19. I'm turning 20 <laughs> on April 25th. Okay. So by, by the time this airs, you may still be 19. Um, what a cool career. I got a lot of respect for what you've done. Thank you. It's amazing. I want to go back to your appearance on Chopped. What drew you to your audition for Chopped? So it's actually like a total whim. I mean, I had always been like in love with cooking, in love with food. You know, it was, I was always like that was like my main personality trait was that yeah. I loved cooking, loved food. And, you know, growing up, everyone knew that. And my mo- my dad's college friend like forwarded him an e- forwarded him an email that she got that Chopped was looking for kids. I was like, oh, I know he tells the cook. Like, oh, <laughs> haha, look how funny this is. They're doing this. And we're like, all right, let's just like fill it out. So we felt the application. Honestly, it was just kind of a fun after school activity um, with my mom, you know, writing about why I love food, about my food cooking experience, yeah. uh, really not thinking anything of it. And then ultimately, you know, following that were phone interviews, video interviews, an in-person interview. Um, and then ultimately I got on the show. But, you know, we definitely did not think it would happen. Yeah, you never think it's going to happen, but it did. And you were eight years old. Is that right? Uh, 11. 11. Okay, I'm making up numbers. But you were 11 <laughs> and it was still very young to be a, a appearing on a show. 
But at that moment, being in the studio doing Chop, did you feel like this was your calling to be, uh, you know, to do food food content and be a, a TV star? Yes. Um, you know, when I was a bit younger, I think, you know, part of my aspirations definitely involved more like restaurants and stuff like that. But I yeah. think, you know, Chop really solidified for me that, you know, what I really love about food and what I love in general and what I'm really passionate about is educating and entertaining um, through and about food. And I think that really solidified that for me. You know, uh, I also think just that's where my skill set is. I think it really taught me that, you know, performing is something I really enjoy doing, something that I strive at. So that definitely really, I think, solidified the career path I wanted. Amazing. I love that you say performing because I think for our listeners who maybe aren't plugged into TikTok and how um, this really powerful platform works, you, you really – Unlike YouTube, in a way, you really do have to perform. You have to really understand what the audience is doing. And I want to get into that a bit about, like, the way you frame your TikTok personality versus your regular personality. But first, let's hear about your business because I feel like you have grown from being a consultant to having your own company. What's a typical day like right now? Yes. Um, so Aton Productions is the production company behind the Aton Bernath brand a.k.a. me. Um, <laughs> Town Productions, you know, started out um, when I was in high school or end of elementary school, uh, end of middle school, sorry, beginning and middle of high school, throughout high school, um, as a production company that I owned. You know, I had been using all these skills to create video content online. And I was like, well, why don't I do this for other people? So, you know, I did photo productions, video productions. Um, I also ran social media accounts at its peak. Um, I ran 12 different accounts. You for, were a consultant for brands. Oh, I, I ran them. You ran I was them. only consulting. I was creating the content with them. Wow. Uh, editing it, scheduling it, posting it, interacting on the accounts. Um, I had a post go live about every 45 minutes. What brands are you talking about? Um, you know, other social I, – I had signed NDAs with all them, so I can't ah. disclose that. But um, don't want to don't want to break the NDA <laughs> on the Taste Podcast. Yes. No, no, no. But, um, you know, other, like, uh, personal, like entertainment personalities, um, different food brands, um, th- companies like that. Um, and now, kind of what you just were alluding to, Aton Productions um, has shifted focus to completely um, Aton Bernath, which is me. Um, yeah. Currently, Aton Productions has five full-time employees, and we're in the process, actually, this week and next week, hiring uh, three more. So Amazing. we're about to be at eight. And, you know, it's really just incredible being able to build this team and really, I'm honestly living out the dream that little Aton had. <laughs> I love it. It's it's And it's really genuine. I, I like the way that you, you, uh, you speak about your ambition, because it's large, but it feels genuine. I feel like uh, it could go the other way, and I, I really like that about you. Um, Thank you. Let's talk about TikTok because I think um, we need to get to kind – of, let's do some bare-bones TikTok talk because I want to make sure our audience really knows what's going on because the fact that you have over 2 million followers as of now, how many? What are you at? Two, 2.1? I think 2.1, yes. 2.1 million. Um, it, it's not an easy feat. It's a very crowded place. So what uh, makes um, a TikTok work right now? What makes it work? That is a good question. I think that is a question I ask myself um, very often. You know, I think with, you know, I think for those who don't, aren't super familiar with TikTok, you know, the main thing that TikTok really brought to the world and brought to media and entertainment is this concept of computer-selected content. Um, you know, before that, on Instagram, on Facebook, on Twitter, uh, you're getting content from people you choose to follow. TikTok really started this concept of, it's they call it the For You page, where, you know, TikTok decides with their 
all all hmm. be all knowing omnipresent algorithm. The big A, baby. Yes. Yeah. Um, what content to show you? And so, you know, what's really incredible about TikTok and what's great about that is that you're able to grow really rapidly. Um, you know, I grew very, very quickly on TikTok and you're able to reach a massive amount of people because you know, people don't have to search you, they just get get shown your content. But on the flip side of that, you know, people love to blame it on the algorithms. And yes, the algorithms change and everything. But at the end of the day, the algorithms are just computers that analyze what humans enjoy watching. And I think that's something really important. And what's led me to my success is, you know, it's so easy to be like, oh, the algorithms, the algorithms are changing. That's why my videos aren't doing well. But no, your videos aren't doing well because the humans who input data into these algorithms, aka the viewers, um, that's what they like. And I think that it's so important with TikTok to constantly evolve, constantly try new things. You know, if you get stuck in the same rhythm, your videos won't perform well because it's so much about like what do people want to watch. You know, right now, um, I'm finding success posting videos between like 20 to 60 seconds. Um, you know, rapid cooking, but also at the same time, like really going hard on personality, you know, having fun with it, showing your personality. You know, it's definitely hard doing that quickly, but um, it's kind of the fun challenge with TikTok. I love that you say that it's human um, selected because I agree. And it's reason why Anna and I like TikTok. Like haters are definitely going to hate and like we're a little older than you and maybe some would say I'm a little more cynical about food media shifting over to TikTok. I disagree with that fully. I think it's a place to democratize comb cooking. Gets people to cook more, gets people to understand food more, and it gets people to think about uh, food outside of their comfort zone, which is what we do at Taste a lot. So respect to that. Oh, 100%. I think also kind of with democratizing uh, food media, I think what's been incredible about uh, specifically this whole now new concept, because, you know, this technology of the algorithm that TikTok used is now on every platform. Facebook uses it, Instagram uses it, Snapchat uses it. Um, and so I think what it's really done that's been incredible is, you know, it's really made it that anyone can can do it. You know, um, for years it's always been like, well, are, did you get a cast on a TV show? Um, mm -hmm. were, did you get these like larger establishments, the ones who are deciding who's successful? Uh, but, you know, with these algorithms and everything, now it's who the people decide. I think, you know, it's been incredible um, as also a consumer of food media is to see that there's just such more a diverse mm -hmm. set of creators that are growing in popularity. And I think voices that have never gotten a chance to be heard are being heard and um, you know for a billion reasons that's incredible um, you know to help marginalized communities and you know get those voices out there but even just from a food perspective it, it's really I think growing food media's repertoire of food and like what's on the spotlight which is just incredible respect absolutely agree with you how the hell do you get up for your videos because clearly when you do your intros it's a it's a different you I mean it's really a, a persona you talk about uh, the, the acting element mm. of this is, is, is acting. So, like, as I would ask ask an actor, how do you get into that mindset that you're we're going to do an Aton video right now? We're going to do this intro. How do you get there? That's a good question. You know, the number one feedback here when people meet me in person is like, you're so calm. <laughs> like, you're so quiet. Right. I'm like, well, I'm not spending all day going, hey, guys, Aton, da -da -da -da. <laughs> like, that, that's a, that's for the content. Yeah, um, yeah. In real life, you know, I don't talk like that 24-7. Uh, but, you know, I think, as you just said, you know, it's a performance. Um, you know, obviously it's me. I'm Aton. I'm the same Aton in the videos. But, um, you know, with these platforms, you have to catch people's attention. You have about two, two, two to three seconds to catch someone's attention. So you don't have to be loud. You have to be energetic. You have to be captivating. Um, you know, I think for me, something I've only realized recently is like, I kind of do like imp improv, improvisation. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't, I don't script any of my videos. Obviously, it's a recipe. So there's kind of A, B, C, D, E, F, G steps. Um, 
but it's very much improvisation. And for me, like, I'm just like, I, what can I do to get the person on the other end of the camera, the one holding their phone, to be excited about what I'm about to cook? It has to be that way. I mean, it has. you have to think about your reader, your, your viewer. You have to think about that way. It's so smart. It's why you've gotten this far. Agree with you fully. I want to know about the cookbook. So th- what uh, got you into the mindset of, like, I need to do a cookbook? And, and what should we expect from your first cookbook? Yeah, so A10 Eats the World, I really describe as the culmination of, you know, my culinary journey. You know, it feels crazy to say this because I'm 19, but um, I have been cooking now for about a decade. Yeah. Um, you know, I started cooking when I was around eight or nine years old. I'm now 19. And so, you know, for me, this book is really, uh, like, just kind of like summing up my culinary journey thus far. You know, these these recipes in the book, I would say anywhere from like a fourth to a third of them are recipes that um, I actually developed when I was much younger. Mm. Um, you know, I always told my parents, like, one day I'm going to write a cookbook. And um, growing up my, on my desk in my room, the entire top shelf was all cookbooks. Like, this was my dream. And so all these years, you know, I started a food blog and blogging. And all these years, anytime I dealt recipe, I was like, okay, wait a second. This is too good for the vlog, <laughs> too good for a video. I'm saving this for my book one day. So that's a lot of the recipes in Eight Nights World. But, you know, truly I think my mission with Eight Nights World is to really get people excited about cooking. You know, that's the main feedback I hear from my videos. And I was like, okay, I need to do that with the book. You know, I really spend a lot of time making sure that the recipes in here can appeal to both beginners in the kitchen mm-hmm. and seasoned chefs. You know, there's super easy things in the book. You know, there's things like cornflake crusted French toast, PB&J pancakes. But then there's things that are complicated. Like, you know, making shepherd's pie from scratch, you know, making homemade garlic naan, making babka, all those things. My goal is really to, you know, be like, okay, whatever cooking level you're at, open up a ton eats the world. You will find something that you will crave. You will find something you will have fun making that you're going to learn a little bit while making. And then you're going to enjoy. Take me back to your your room in uh, in Teaneck, New Jersey, where you grew up. What are some of the cookbooks on that shelf that you that really that you enjoyed um, you know, cooking from or reading as a kid? Yeah, so I very much read cookbooks like book books. Nice. Um, like literature You're my books. my kind of guy. I like that. I like to hear that. Uh, like for me when I get a cookbook I'm not like oh whatever let me look, scroll through look at the pictures then I'll <laughs> find a recipe to cook. I'm like no 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 I'm going to read from page one to page whatever the last 375. Yes. Yeah. Um, I think one one of my favorite books of all time is Zahav. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that book for me did such a good job at like really educating you throughout um, throughout the book. And, you know, like, just like it really, I felt like I was in the kitchen with Michael, you know. Um, and I felt like that was something I really tried to also do and emulate in my book. Um, also just the food photography is beautiful. Like, mm-hmm. I really feel like he just, like, brings you into his kitchen. Another book I absolutely love, a friend of mine, good friend, uh, Medina Sussman, Sababa. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually was just um, a few months ago in Israel and um, in Tel Aviv, and I um, visit her in her kitchen. Um, we didn't get chance to cook together, but I tried some of the food she happened to be cooking while I was there. And, you know, she, I think, also just does such an incredible job at, like, bringing you in the kitchen with her. And also, I mean, just every recipe in her book I've ever made has been delicious. I love That's Adina. I've been to her kitchen in Tel Aviv as well, and she's a she's a friend and been on the podcast, and Mike Salmanov, shout out to him too. I love that you bring up those two inspirations. So so Jewish food is a, is part of your, um, your repertoire. Obviously, this book is not about Jewish food. Um, it's a wide range of recipes. We, I'd like to hear more about that. But but how do you negotiate uh, your Jewish identity and, and what um, – like 
do you want to write a Jewish cookbook at some point? Or is it is it not really what you're focusing on right now? That's a good question. Um, you know, Eitan Eats the World does have um, a bunch of, like, recipes that in it that are from, you know, my childhood specifically, um, highlighting that I grew up um, in a Jewish household. You know, for example, one of my favorite recipes in the book, because that was a great story, is uh, my grandma's chicken soup with mm-hmm. my dad's matzo balls. And, you know, mm-hmm. I think that's, like, really a recipe that um, has just such a great story around it and, like, you know, Eighteenth World is full of comfort food recipes, and like I, to me, that's one of the ultimate comfort foods, at least for me, because you know, I do believe that my grandma makes the best chicken soup <laughs> on earth, and anyone who disagrees, as I wrote in the book, <laughs> is wrong. Uh, and then you know, I also go into the whole you know that my family loves like dense matzo balls. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of people love big fluffy matzo balls, but. We like dense matzo balls. You know, they're hearty. You have to scoop into them. They're, like, substantial. Uh, and I think that one's really recipe in the book, That just, like, the story, you know, really bringing my family into it. Love that. I, I'm definitely a dense matzo ball fan myself. Amazing. Passover is coming up, and I definitely am, am not into the giant fluff. No, they're, like, they just <laughs> melt in your mouth in a non-positive way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you, like, oh, my God, I could rant for an hour about why dense matzo balls win the matzo ball are, tournament. Are you small? Do you put schmaltz in it? Oh, of course. Yes, yes. Yes, yes, yes. God, yes. Okay. Yes, yes. Um, I want, well, I, well, I'm hoping at some point we can talk more about Jewish food because I, I feel like you've got a cool bench of, of recipes. But I'd like to hear a little bit more about the cookbook. And, and is there a recipe that you worked on the hardest? Yes. Okay. And actually is one of the um, – Jewish-related recipes, which Great. is a good segue. Um, I have an incredible babka recipe in the book. Yeah. Um, this is one that I developed when I was much younger. Um, and I would say this recipe has probably been tested throughout my life, like, close to a dozen times, if mm. not more. Um, you know, I started, like, way, 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 way back when, when I was uh, when I was younger, trying to perfect making babka because, you know, growing up, um, I loved babka. It was, like, my favorite Jewish It's really good. a great food. I think, you know, I think Bread's Bakery makes a pretty good one. Oh, yes, I've had breads. Yeah. Yes, it is very good. So, you know, that recipe, I think, to me, I feel like there's, like, Jewish, ba- like, 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 super old, old traditional, like, Jewish style, like, Jewish bakery from, like, Europe style babka mm-hmm. and then there's like not mm-hmm. and i and i think like putting raspberries in it yeah some like, people may do come that. on like please please don't yeah. do that um, <laughs> i agree with you fully, and yeah. so i think that for me what i really tried to emulate what i love getting um you know growing up there's a bakery in town they closed a while back called like corn bakery i think mm-hmm. and they had the best babka growing up and um i really tried to like emulate that you know getting that perfectly soft dough on the inside but that's still sturdy because I don't like when babkas kind of like all melt together. Like yeah. I want there to be a sturdy dough. Then that filling, not too sweet, not too cinnamony. Uh, you know, is it like just like wet enough that it's moist, but not too wet that it then like sinks to the yeah, bottom? Yeah, feels like, a, like an unbaked brownie. Exactly. Can be that dense. Yeah. Then agreed. you know, perfecting that crumble on top because mm-hmm. you need that crumble. Getting that perfect golden brown exterior. Um, you know, I have in the recipe, I've in the cookbook both uh, chocolate and cinnamon filling. Um, and for me, I think that one was probably that, and then also caramel covered popcorn. I love mm-hmm. caramel covered popcorn. And I don't know, that was one I struggled with like a lot for some reason, just like the chemical reaction of getting it to like perfectly mm-hmm. just like wrap around the popcorn. It, it was it was a little bit of a nightmare to develop, but once I did, it was like, 
it, you got it. I mean, that's one of those purely industrial foods that is really hard to replicate. Um, you know, and and oftentimes the pros do it much better. So oh, yeah. respect that you. Although <laughs> I do think the recipe Nate needs the world. Good. At this point, I could say it's foolproof because once I figured out how to do it, <laughs> we then t- I you know obviously one of the benefits of a cookbook rather than a recipe on the internet is there's a lot of testers. So yeah. um, every recipe was also cooked by four other testers, and it worked for everyone else. I'm so. into that. Of course, you need to have it tested. I'm into that. Indian food. Let's talk about that. You grew up in Teaneck, not far from Jersey City, and, and some of the best Indian food in America. I feel like mm-hmm. um, all that your pocket of Jersey has incredible South Asian food. Did you grow up eating any particular dishes that you've uh, created recipes for on TikTok? And why do you love Indian food so much? Yes, uh, Indian food is definitely my favorite cuisine. Um, a lot of people think I'm joking when I say that I eat Indian food. Every, every single Those day. Those people are mistaken. Indian food <laughs> is the most delicious cuisine. Yes. It's incredible. Um, I quite literally eat Indian food every single day. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, just this morning, I had dal for breakfast. Yeah. Um, last Yesterday, I had Indian food for lunch. So, yeah, I, I, I generally eat Indian food every day. Um, you know, growing up, um, my mom loved Indian food. She had a lot of Indian food and she was pregnant with me. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I don't yeah. know. I'm no scientist, mm-hmm. but maybe that helped. <laughs> um, and, you know, obviously growing up in New Jersey, there's a lot of great Indian food. Um, and actually, um, a lot of the neighbors where I grew up right on my block mm-hmm. um, were um, Indian. One was also like Pakistani. Um, and so I grew up with them. And so, you know, I yeah. really learned about cooking. You know, um, one of my best friends um, growing up, we basically just call each other siblings, Heba, um, who is my next door neighbor. Um, her mom is an incredible cook. Mm-hmm. And um, I learned a lot from her and, you know, just being in their house while she's cooking and watching her cook and everything. Um, and so, you know, I really grew up around it and I just fell in love with it. And, you know, for me, I think why I primarily, I would say growing up, ate North Indian cuisine. Um, and lately I've been really trying to like do a deeper dive into South Indian cuisine and really learn more about that. How do you make your dal? I feel like dal is one of those dishes where if you have a respect or interest in Indian cuisine, you you have your way of doing dal. If you're Indian, of course, you have your way of doing dal. Yes. Um, actually, recently Heba tried my dal and said it was almost as good as her mom's, which right. I take as a very high compliment. It is a great compliment. Um, Absolutely. And so, yeah, my dal, you know, I, you know, I use tour dal. Um, like the yellow split pigeon pea, um, and you know, obviously boil that down. I'm not the world's biggest pressure cooker person. Mm-hmm. I just it takes like an extra ten minutes on the pot and just a regular pot. I'm like, let's just do that. And the instant pot just is kind of annoying. It's clunky. Big, like I, clunky. yeah, I just use a pot. Um, yeah. And then you know, obviously, you know, obviously starting with your whole spices. I really love to do cumin, jeera, and Hindi. Um, uh, mustard seeds. Um, I love doing curry leaves. I yeah. if there was a cologne that was curry leaf smelled, yeah. I would wear it. Um, starting off with that, obviously your aromatics, your um, onion, your ginger, your garlic, um, thinly sliced Indian chilies, which are very important. Um, you know, I always say in my recipes when you're cooking Indian food, you obviously can use a jalapeno if that's all you can find yeah. at your local store. But Indian chilies, if you can get them, are very spicy, but in a good way. Um, aromatics in there. I do some uh, tomato. Throw in the dal, um, add in like whole spices, uh, not whole spices, ground spices. And then something that I put in mine, which is not crazy traditional, but I like it, um, is I add in coconut milk. Yeah, right on. Absolutely. Um, and like I also sometimes get coconut cream and I like pour out the liquid part and like get mm-hmm. that really thick coconut milk. Mm-hmm. Um, it's taking some influence for kind of South Indian cuisine because mm-hmm. I use a lot of coconut. Um, I love it. And then obviously finishing with the darka, I think – I think tarka is probably one of my favorite cooking techniques because, mm-hmm. you know, if you just try Is that the, a tempered oil? What, I, yes. I, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, the yeah. tempered oil at the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, You know, if you just try the dal, 
it's good, but you're like, oh, there's some, there's something yeah. missing. And then you uh, heat up your ghee, which is the clarified mm-hmm. uh, butter. Throw in, um, I throw in more um, cumin. Uh, mustard seeds, whole spices whole sp- sometimes. Oh, yeah. oh, I do only whole. Yeah, yeah. yeah, only whole for tempering. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, then I do dried Kashmiri uh, chilies. Yeah. Um, more curry leaves. Yeah, I think that's it. And then dump it back on, and it is just like you then stir it all up, and you're like it sizzles on the top. Yeah. It just like perfumes the kitchen, mm-hmm. and oh my god. I love talking about Indian food. I want to have some. Let's go eat. Let's go eat some Indian food. No, to be totally honest, before I got here for lunch, I ate this exact doll because mm-hmm. I made it this weekend. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and yes, oh my god, yeah. No, I can. If someone woke me up at three a.m. and offered me an, an Indian buffet, I would be down. I love that. Well, so you obviously love uh, performing and talking about food, but television is now part of your repertoire, not just TikTok, and your you appear on the Drew Barrymore show, show often. So what's like? Where does this end? I mean, are you gonna have your own show? Are we gonna are we gonna see you have your own show? It's a great question. So yeah, you know, Drew Barrymore um, was definitely an unexpected friend in my. Uh, late She's teens. wonderful, man. She's incredible. Um, you know, I, Drew Barrymore show started just one appearance I did, um, and then Drew and I really grew an incredible friendship. And obviously, you know, I grew a great relationship with the show as well. And um, and then I signed with the show as um, their principal culinary contributor. Um, which was really exciting because, you know, at the time, um, this was over a year and a half ago, I was the first, I don't usually call myself a TikToker because I do a lot more than that, but um, <laughs> yeah. I was the first TikToker to ever land a daytime television role, mm-hmm. um, which was really incredible. Um, and, you know, I have so much fun with Drew on the show. Um, but, yeah, you know, beyond that, my goals are definitely um, to do more in the television space, um, you know, definitely eventually my own show and things like that. There's... Always, always stuff in the works uh, behind the scenes. And, you know, I think that's definitely a big goal of mine um, and something that uh, I anticipate will be in the coming few years. I lo- so what makes your show different? Let's go there. Let's, let's let's think about the way food television is kind of has formed. You know, there's the studio stand and stir, which is very popular. But then, of course, there's the in the in the field reportage, Anthony Bourdain style. Steven Satterfield style, like there's lots of ways of doing that. Where where do you fit into the TV ecosystem? That's a good question. The actual things I'm working on, I am also under NDAs, but I think <laughs> what I bring to the space and something that I think we're definitely going to see and have been seeing is, you know, with the democratization of food media with these platforms is you're going to see a much wider um range of voices in the kitchen. Um, I think something that I bring to the table that I'm really excited to eventually be able to bring to the table even more in the television space also. And honestly, I'm really excited that I'm getting to do with A Tony It's the World um, in the cookbook space yeah. is, you know, bring the perspective. So, you know, I'm not trying to be Gordon Ramsay. I'm not trying to be mm-hmm. Guy Fieri. I'm not trying to be Bobby Flay. I'm Aton. Mm-hmm. I have not worked in restaurants for years. I have not gone um uh, professional culinary training. Uh, I consider myself very good at cooking. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I create a teaching about cooking, but I'm Aton. I learned through the internet how to cook. Mm-hmm. I have traveled and learned while traveling and in my kitchen. Um, and I think I have a lot to offer to the culinary world and food media, but I'm a new perspective. And I think that one of the main pieces of feedback I hear, you know, a lot of people think my audience are just kids, but most of my audience are are older than me. 
I was going to ask you because I feel like if you haven't hit um, skip or you're, you're you're still listening to this podcast, you're obviously interested in what you have to say. And I want to know, though, like, how do you know that your audience is not just the quote unquote TikTok generation? Because I feel like that's the key to having a successful TV show and, and, and kind of media empire. You can't just be for a certain generation. Yeah, no, the majority of my audience, just based on analytics, um, are between 20 to 40. Um, you know, actually, my biggest platform is Facebook. I have around 2.3, 2, 2.4 million followers on Facebook. We know the olds go to Facebook, too. Yes. <laughs> um, and in 2021, um, my Facebook page um, got over 2 billion views on my videos. So the overall majority of my followers are, are much older. Um, and, you know, I think that the main feedback I hear very often is, like, if you can do it, then I can do it. And that relatability, um, cool. and not saying that the people who are super trained chefs are not incredible to do. They are wildly incredible. They have, they, we, they're important for food media. They have their space. They are wildly important. But I do think that for a lot of people, you know, being able to see someone's like, wait, oh my God, <laughs> that 19 year old can make this and I could make this. Like, that, I, I could do it. He's just 19. Um, and I think, you know, while I'm still young, I really try to hone on that and, you know, show like, I'm just like you. Yes, mm. I've been cooking for a while. I have a lot of experience. I get to do cool things in food. But I'm like you. I, I've only learned how to cook in my own kitchen. I think that that relatability is what I really try to do in all facets of what I do. I buy it. I like it. I buy it. I, I feel like this. I've learned a lot of, about you during this conversation. And I have followed you on TikTok. And I enjoy your, your vibe there. But it's obvious that you are uh, more than that. It seems like you want to really address a wider audience with the cookbook and but with your television appearances. So, so I feel like let's let's um, hope that your show you can be as big as Gordon Ramsay. I feel like you Thank can, you. right? Yes. Um, no, I definitely have big goals. Um, but you know, I think I totally agree. You know, for me. Um, with everything I do, you know, it's always a balance of like, especially online, like what will go viral, what will get views, but what is also like real deal cooking. And I think something that I'm always working on is figuring out, okay, like you have to do fun virally things because that's what, you know, that's what pays the bills. That's what helps you grow. But I also really love to cook real food, you know, on mm -hmm. TikTok, especially, you know, I do a lot of fun, silly things. Um, and those are great. I love doing them. They're a lot of fun. But, you know, as evident with, of course, A-Ton Eats the World, I really also know how to make real deal food. Yeah. And it's always like a like a tightrope walk of how much fun, silly viral food do you do and how much real deal cooking do you do? And it's saying that there's no perfect answer to, but uh, it's definitely it's fun to do both. I love it. A uh, couple more questions. Are there other TikTokers that you find uh, that you're like friends with or that you want to shout out? I feel like our listeners are interested in, in, in tapping into TikTok, but are there anybody you can shout out? Um, I mean, someone that I love, I'm not friends with her yet, Tabitha, uh, Tabitha Brown. Uh, incredible in, in countless amount of ways. Um, I, though I do not know her personally, hopefully I will eventually. Um, on top of that, um, Oh my god, wait, food TikTokers. You know, it's actually funny. People ask me, I I create so much content that sometimes when people ask me about who I watch, like, wait, who do I watch? Oh my god, I make so much of this. Sometimes I forget. Um, I also, you know, really um really love uh, Mythical Josh. I just did a live stream with him. Um, he creates a lot of YouTube content, but also TikTok. Um, but yeah, I, to me, w to people who are not on TikTok, you know, there's a sense that there's only like kids and teens on it. Um, but, you know, there's just such a wide variety of content. You know, some of my favorite TikTokers just list a few outside the food space. Um, you know, I follow um, a guy named Marcus. He reports on the news, mm -hmm. um, like breaking news in like a super digestible way. I love Mar yeah, yeah. Um, totally love 
I also follow, you know, obviously like some of the classics. I follow this on Brunch with Babs. Um, she's a grandma who creates food content. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's so many. I mean, I follow um, a TikToker who owns um, like a period products brand. And she talks mm-hmm. about like gender equality and about mm-hmm. access to um, period products and everything. And there, there's just like, you know, there's just ev- whatever you're interested in. You'll find it on TikTok, and the best part of TikTok is it will find it for you. Absolutely agree. Shout out to Josh, mythical, mythical Josh, too. I let he blurred my cookbook. I enjoy his video content. We ask all guests on the Taste Podcast if you could work on a cookbook without the burden of a deadline, being meaning time, or money, meaning you know you have no budget. What would that book be? Ooh, okay. Um, for me, one thing I love doing and it's something that I'm working on doing more is being able to use my platform to share other and like kind of elevate other people's food experiences and you know actually there's a recipe in the book um mushroom boba which is from um someone who's worked with my family for years um named Rosa and she also works with Atom Productions um and this is a recipe that is near and dear to her that she taught me how to make and it's a recipe that I share in the book, and I tell the whole story behind it. So I think for me, if I had unlimited budget, unlimited amount of time, I would want to travel around the world, meet people cooking really unique food that more people should know about, and being able to use that opportunity I have to tell, you know, help them tell their story and elevate their story and give them my platform that I'm being given, um, and you know, give them the opportunity to teach the world about this food that they that they love cooking and they're so specialized in. And then, you know, being able to use my book as a vehicle to bring all these incredible people's recipes to the world would be a dream. Aitem Bernath, thank you for joining the Taste Podcast. Thank you for having me. The Taste Podcast is hosted by Matt Rodbard and me, Anna Hiesel. The show is produced by Pat Stango and edited by Clayton Gumbert. Our theme music is by Steve Rydell. Visit Taste online at tastecooking.com and make sure to subscribe to our newsletter. Thanks for listening.